Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm chatting with Jen Oshman about love. If you're new to the podcast or you didn't catch last week's episode, this is actually part of a series that we're doing on the fruit of the Spirit. Jen did such a great job laying out more of the context of the book of Galatians, the letter where we find this famous passage we're honing in on. She encourages us that. The fruit of the Spirit really is the image of Christ-likeness. That's what Christ looks like. So the Spirit, as we remember the gospel, as we stay plugged into the Word, as we pray and ask Him to form us and shape, shape us, He shapes us more and more into the image of the Son. And that's where we find freedom. You know, the Lord created us in his image. So the more that we behave according to that image, the more that the spirit grows us and shapes us and changes us to be like Jesus, the more free we are. Y'all, this conversation served as a sweet reminder that loving others is a work of the spirit and that we actually need him to do this. We pray it encourages you to look to him as you seek to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So you'll know today's guest a little bit better. Jen Oshman is a wife and mom to four daughters and has served as a missionary for almost two decades on three continents. She currently resides in Colorado where she and her husband serve with Pioneers International and they planted Redemption Parker, an Acts 29 church two and a half years ago. Her passion is leading women into deeper faith and fostering a biblical worldview. Jen, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I am elated to get to sit in the sound booth and chat with you today. You are a friend of a friend, which is really fun because we have some overlap in professional circles, but also in personal kind of friendship circles. So I feel like our dear friend Carrie is kind of sitting here in the sound booth with me (laughs) in spirit. But uh, it's so fun to get to chat with you today. Oh, thanks, Hunter. This is a joy for me. And I love that you just gave a shout out to Carrie. I want to give a shout out to her as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you do so many things. You are a writer and I have really appreciated reading your work on your blog. And I'm getting the privilege of reading your upcoming book with Crossway about finding joy in the age of self, which is something I so desperately need personally. And I'm really grateful for it, Jen, in this season in particular, because we're in the middle of a transition. Everyone knows that Uh, people are probably like, okay, you can stop talking about it now, but I have found a propensity to fixate on myself in this season like none other before. So it's just been really helpful to help me look away from myself and look to Jesus. And it's an honor to get to read that. Excited about that coming out next March. 
And you also have a podcast, which is so fun. So could you tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Well, my husband and I have been married for 20 years. And after we got married, we left for the mission field pretty much right away. We were in seminary, had a baby and went overseas. So we served in Japan and we served in the Czech Republic and we envisioned staying there forever and ever. But we were called off the field prematurely to care for my dad who was dying of Alzheimer's and dementia. So we found ourselves back here in Colorado where we're both from and we planted a church here with with the Acts 29 network. It's called Redemption Parker. So for the past about three and a half years, we have lived stateside. It's the first time my kids have lived here. I have four daughters, one adopted as an older child from Thailand, and she's now an adult and an army wife, actually. Oh, how cool. Yeah. And she has a six-month-old baby, so I'm a new grandma as well. That's so crazy. By the way, you look so young. Did you get married when you were like 18 or something? Almost. <laughs> I was <scandalously> young <laughs> I was when I got married. That's so, so great. Yeah, it's been it's been a joy. But anyway, so yeah, mom and podcaster and writer. Um, it's been a it's been an unsettling transition. So I can really relate to you. Did not see myself um, living here and now, and but the Lord has been so kind to meet me in it and and given that joy that He promises to give. So I'm really grateful to Him. Wow, I love that so much. Also, Brooks lived in Japan. I don't know that we've ever mentioned that on the podcast, but he was in Japan during his middle school and high school years. So maybe we'll have That's to chat cool. offline about that. Yeah. Yeah. I love Japan. (laughs) Oh, that's so wonderful. Well, you had mentioned to me that you are actually teaching the book of Galatians in your local church right now. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I have been soaking in and studying Galatians now for months. So I love that we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Me too. And this book was super formative for me in my college years. I really, man, I just experienced so much freedom studying this book, Freedom in Christ. And so it makes me really excited to get to chat about it with you today. We're also going to be honing in on the fruit of the Spirit. And this is in the context of a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And today we're going to focus on the attribute of love. So what is love and how does it fit into the context of the book of Galatians? So Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote to a church that he planted about 10 years prior. He heard about the Judaizers who were influencing the church. They were basically Jewish Christians who were saying that the Galatians had to earn their salvation, that to really be saved, the Galatians who were Gentiles must also practice the Jewish law, the ceremonial law, the Mosaic code, and they must be circumcised. So it's almost like these Judaizers were sort of reforming Judaism, like to be a good, practicing, obedient Jew and Christian, you would trust in Christ, but also trust in the works of the flesh, trust in the work of circumcision. So you know, and probably the listeners know that Paul was the Jew of all Jews, right? Like Uh he made the law better than anybody. Um, It says in his letter to the Galatians that he was advancing in Judaism beyond all of his peers that he was so zealous for the law and the traditions of his fathers that he was violently trying to destroy the Christian church. But amazingly, we know the rest of the story. Jesus entered in and rescued and redeemed Paul because of his great mercy and his great love. And Paul's eyes were opened, you know, literally and figuratively, his eyes were opened. Um, And so he, he was incensed that the Judaizers would be telling his children in the faith that they have to follow the law. So we see in in Galatians chapter six, he didn't even wait for a scribe. He says, I write this in my own hand. It's like he heard the news that the Judaizers were coming in and telling the Gentiles, no, you also have to be circumcised. If you really want to be good followers of Christ, you've got to follow the law. You have to exercise these works of the flesh. And Paul is angry. 
He doesn't even, you know, like pray for the Galatians in the beginning of his letter. He skips all the like niceties and Uh all the that you see in other letters. And he jumps right in and he's like, you guys, I cannot believe that you're deserting the gospel for another one. And actually there is no other gospel. Are you fools? Have you been bewitched? You know, this letter is strong. The Uh language urgent. And so he's rebuking and sounding the alarm. And he's telling the Galatians, you were saved by grace and you were going to live by grace. You were saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And your salvation was a work of the spirit, but so is your sanctification. You're not going to grow in Christ by works of the flesh. Having, He says in chapter three, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In other words, it's all a work of the spirit. It's all a gift of God. So Paul, in this letter, brings the Galatians back over and over and over that your faith and your growth is all a supernatural work of our good and kind God through his spirit. So the fruit of the spirit passage that we all love, it comes on the heels of many paragraphs and exhortations where Paul has been contrasting the work of the spirit with the work of the flesh. So trusting in the law and our own efforts versus trusting in God by faith. Uh I love that Paul brilliantly, he goes back to Abraham. Abraham's the father of Israel. And he points to Abraham as he who first believed by faith. Uh And Abraham's faith was a gift of the spirit. Abraham was not saved by his work. So the father of the Jews was not saved by his works of the flesh, but by faith that the spirit gave him. So we are now privileged to live 2000 years after the cross. And we look back on the cross and the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus And we believe by grace through faith. And now you and I and other believers, we are now heirs of the kingdom. We are now the daughters of the king. So like you said in your introduction, this is is a message of freedom. We're no longer slaves. We are free. We are no longer enslaved to the law. We're no longer enslaved to our flesh. Jesus purchased our freedom once and for all on the cross. And Paul says at the very start of the fruit of the spirit section that it's for freedom. Christ has set us free. So let's not be enslaved again. Let's be free. But that freedom should not lead to licentiousness. It doesn't mean, okay, well now we can, you know, we're free. We can now go do whatever we want. Um, But that freedom really is given to us out of the pure love of the father And that should motivate us to love him in return. You know, so this is really the unique message of Christianity. This is the unique message of Galatians. This is, this is Paul's message to Galatia, to us, to other churches that in all other religions, you must earn God's love. But in Christ, we are immeasurably and undeservedly loved first. So it's from that foundation where God first loved us, that we are called to love God and love others from a posture of gratitude. Mm. So right before the fruit of the spirit section in verses 13 and 14, Paul says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So even before we get to the fruit of the spirit, Paul is already pointing to the love of the father, his love to us through the son and through the Holy spirit. So use that freedom to love others. And we, we hear Jesus's words echoed in that, don't we? You know, Jesus in Matthew 22 When a Pharisee asked him, well, what's the greatest commandment? He answered, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and your mind. And that's the first and greatest commandment. But the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, Jesus says, depends all the law and the prophets. So in other words, all of the law hangs on love, love God and love neighbor. 
those are the instructions of God to his people through all of scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. <laughs> That's a whole big context. I'm of like, I, I wanted to whoop and holler. And I'm also sitting here simultaneously looking at the, the text. So I'm like a little overwhelmed with how incredible that was. <laughs> right, right. So this love, this fruit of the spirit, love does not just come out of a vacuum. It's not like, oh, here's yes. some nice, you know, nice attributes for Christians to have. We'll just... Yeah. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. That's honestly how I've like been tempted to treat that passage for the bulk of my life. Like I just, you know, and and that's how we memorize it. It's in isolation usually. So it's just kind of like, okay, these are all the things that I need to do um, to be a good Christian, you know? Right. Absolutely. And we put it, you know, in the kitchen, especially, I think, because it's free. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> it was literally in the kitchen that I worked at in, in, at a summer camp. It was like above uh, above one of the things. It's so true. That's, I think, where I first memorized it as well. Right. So that the context of Galatians inside the context of scripture is that God's instructions to his people through all of time have been to love him and to love others because he first loved us. Amen. That is exactly what I wanted to bring out. Like these attributes are an opportunity for us to mirror God and his character. So how does God perfectly possess the attribute of love? You've kind of already laid this out, but would you like to expound upon that at all? Sure. Yeah. I think we see a great picture in from the Apostle John in First John mm-hmm. um, in chapter four. He says, God is love. <laughs> so, but this is not just sentimental. This is not something we're going to put on a throw pillow or a t-shirt or a coffee mug. That's not what the Apostle John had in mind. God is love. He actually is saying something very tangible. He says, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. So this is love. He says, we have loved God, but he loved us first. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins is what John says. So beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So in other words, this is not a love that is abstract or out there. It's not sentimental. This is a real act of Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth, pouring himself out on our behalf. It's the perfect son of God bearing the punishment that you and I deserve on the cross. So it's the act of our perfect God willingly laying himself down for you and me. That love is huge. That love is self-sacrificing. And John says, if we love one another, God abides in us. So really, we've got to be self-sacrificial. If God abides in us, then we will lay ourselves down for others because that's who God is. He lives in us. He will help us. He will empower us if we've been born of the Spirit. 
to also lay ourselves down on behalf of others. Mm, Which is such a beautiful thing. I was just watching uh, the news clip of that young man whose brother was murdered. Did you see that? Um, By a woman. I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but he forgave her. And he said, you know, I think that my brother would want more than anything for you to trust in Christ. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, he goes and hugs her and they share this like extension of true forgiveness. And that's a very, very small but potent picture of what Christ has done mm-hmm. for us. How does understanding who we are in Christ impact the way that we understand and express love? Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing, Hunter, last night because I was watching the video um, of Botham Jean's brother extending forgiveness uh-huh. to him. And that 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 is a picture, and like you said, it's a sliver of the uh-huh. picture of love, and yet it's profound because it is not self-centered or self-seeking. It puts God rightly on the throne. The word for love that we see in all of these scriptures is agape. And agape, by definition, is a love that is selfless, and it's a love that takes action. It's a love that moves on behalf of other people. And nothing can separate us from that kind of love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that's the love that we're talking about here, this love that lays itself down on behalf of the other, on behalf of others. And as we've said, it's, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So Paul keeps contrasting works of the flesh, something that you can do out of your own effort and your own will, with works of the spirit. This is not this is not a fruit of the of labor or fruit of the flesh. It's a fruit of the spirit. Love is from God is what first John says in 4. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So this is we who are in Christ are given this love from the God who first loved us. And we have to remember and rehearse the gospel to ourselves continually. Uh-huh. You know, Paul in this letter in chapter 3 Paul reminds the Galatians that they believed because they heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. Spirit allowed them to believe by faith. So they heard about Christ crucified and and risen again, and they put their faith in him. So their, their initial faith and then all of their growth, Paul says, is going to come from hearing the gospel and being powered by the spirit. So we do this by you know staying in the word of God. As you said earlier, and I can totally relate to this, we are so prone to wander. Mm-hmm back to ourselves over and over. We will look in the mirror. We look down. We look inward over and over and over. But if we stay in the word of God, then we stay reminded of what's true. And the spirit who lives in us confirms what the word says, and he grows us, and he shapes us over time. And we begin to look more and more like Jesus. And, and the fruit of the spirit really is the image of Christ-likeness. That's what Christ looks like. So the spirit, as we remember the gospel, as we stay plugged into the word, as we pray and ask him to form us and shape, shape us, he shapes us more and more into the image of the sun. And that's where we find freedom. You know, the Lord created us in his image. So the more that we behave according to that image, the more that the spirit grows us and shapes us and changes us to be like Jesus, the more free we are. It's really counterintuitive because we think, well, the more I seek myself, the happier I'm going to be. Mm. But the truth is the more we image Christ, by the power of the Spirit, the more free we will be. Oh, it's so true. I love that you mentioned that the Spirit is really who empowers us to love one another as Christ has loved us. What does it look like practically to love one another to that degree? So it is a fruit of the Spirit alone, you know, and the amazing thing is that if the Spirit abides in us, the fruit will grow. 
Mm, that's so encouraging, especially for me. Like, I'm like a type A, like, I would be the person, Jen, who would like read this passage and be like, okay, practical application is here are <laughs> the specific three things that I am going to do to grow in love today. That is so true. And I think that's what we all do. We make this checklist. We sit down and make a checklist and go, okay, I've got to, you know, display more love. Now I've got to display more joy. And then, you know, I think I'm joyful enough. Let me check that off. I think I should work on impatience. And now. it all leads to like self-examination all over again. You know what I mean? Then then I'm walking away with that checklist. And instead of like looking at the Lord, looking mm-hmm. at his attributes, glorifying and praising him, I'm led to thinking about myself. Well, I think I, I can relate to that. And I think a lot of listeners can too. And it's so funny and just brilliant of Paul, because before the fruit of the spirit, he lists all these fruit of the flesh, you know, the works of the flesh. And of course, those are all huge sins. And so when we focus on the flesh, when we focus on our self effort, you know, we're going to fall into sin rather than walking by the spirit. As uh-huh. he uh-huh. Yeah. And, and that is, like you said, it's, it's counterintuitive to serve others. It's counterintuitive to love others. It's countercultural. Our culture says, and our flesh says, serve yourself and love yourself. Mm-hmm. So to practically love other people requires the work of the spirit. And it requires, I think, just the community of God and the word of God. We need we need help to do this. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's talk there and just like, it, it sounds really, really nice. And I, I love it, Jen. Like, I'm like, yes, I'm on board. But then like practically, like bringing it down kind of out of the clouds and like uh, into like real everyday life, you know, when you're like kind of standing at the sink washing yeah. dishes, like how do we get there? Yeah. And that's such a good question because that's the point, right? The Bible is not just for our information. It's for our transformation. If we're not applying the word of God, then really, why are we even studying it? Um, Paul, I love the passage in Philippians chapter two, where Paul describes Jesus's love for us, that he poured himself out for us and was obedient even unto death on the cross. And and in that same paragraph, Paul says, so be like that. He says to the church, be like that. That sounds painful. Right. (laughs) And that's why we need the spirit because it is, it's it's actually dying. Yes. I'm realizing this. I don't know why I missed this boat, Jen, when I became a follower of Christ. This is, this is a life of suffering. (laughs) It's also a life of great joy though. And that is why I think we go back to self-control or like Mm self-will, self-effort over and over is because it goes against our flesh and it goes against the cultural narrative that we're soaking in all the time and whether it's on Instagram or the news or the books mm-hmm. that we read, you know, our flesh cries out, serve me. And so we've got to have the spirit in us, changing us and empowering us. And in that passage in Philippians in the same paragraph where he says, you know, Jesus poured himself out obedient unto death on the cross. Paul says, participate in the spirit. So kind of like in Galatians, Ooh. walk by the spirit. Yeah. And he gives us some tangibles there. He says, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, mm. but humility, count others as better than yourself. Okay, that that is a gauntlet moment in time. I'm, I'm thinking about some specific instances in my life right now where, you know, I'm just saying you can kind of get to the kitchen sink and do things out of rivalry or conceit. Like, hmm, I'm the only one in this house doing dishes around here, you well, know? Oh my gosh, I can relate to that inner voice. I hate it. I want to walk in humility Mm -hmm. and I want to do that, but it's stinking hard. Right. It really is. And I think, you know, we have to begin, Hunter, with prayer and with confession. That's exactly right. You just keep on because I need this. 
Yeah, so do I. <laughs> I am preaching to myself here. It's a prideful okay. heart. Just speak it on. I know it. I know I'm prideful. <laughs> right. And so am I. So we're, those of us who, and I think this is everybody, but if you're really productivity oriented and driven, yes. path oriented, then uh, taking time to be still before the yes. Lord and to confess to him that I want it my way. I mm-hmm. want to do own power. I want to earn my own salvation. I want to earn my own accolades. I want my life to be all about me. And we just acknowledge that and confess it yeah. and pour our hearts out to the Lord and say, and beg him, father, change me. Yes. Renew me from the inside out. Fruit does not, you cannot duct tape fruit to a tree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trust me. The Holy Spirit is removing that. <laughs> And, that, and that's something that all of us have to do every day. You know, mm. I'm so encouraged, like just a quick tangent, but that Paul talks about how he had to rebuke Peter earlier in this yeah. letter. So Peter, who walked with uh, Jesus. Yes. If Peter's getting rebuked, of course I'm going to. Right. If Peter <laughs> forgot the gospel, you know, yeah. he started to trust in his own flesh. And Paul rebuked him to his face and said, hey, you're living mm-hmm. out of line with the gospel. I definitely think what you were saying in regard to needing to just confess is so important. And also what I've seen in myself is I have this tendency to think I am going to get all these things done so that then I can meet with you, Lord. And that's what like I I want to meet with you. But look at all this. I've got to get this done and then I'll come and meet with you. And I just forget that he wants to help us. And he's teaching. The point is that we're learning and growing in and through that, you know, and that's what's really hard for me to remember, like while I'm in the midst of it, because I guess I'm not as great of a multitasker as I thought I was. But it's hard for me to abide in him as I'm going about those daily tasks, because I feel like I have to get them checked off before I can like be with the Lord. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm learning? And I'm 41. I'm learning that it's never enough. Mm. The to-do is never enough. You all, There's always another thing to get done. Mm-hmm. We'll never really feel satisfied. That like, and your okay. kids are older too, right? So like, I always have this image in my brain that like maybe when my kids can put their own shoes on and stuff like that, that this will get a little bit easier, but you're telling me no. <laughs> I mean, life does get a lot easier. I won't lie. <laughs> But we still are really prone to wander and to walk in our own flesh and our own power. It's just sneakier because you don't have to talk. Yeah, that's so true. It's it actually gets a little bit. Sneakier. I can see that because you're not as depend like needy, yep. like mm-hmm. flat on your face like I was yesterday. And then I walk back in, and my toddler had actually ripped my you know one hundred dollar crossway journaling Bible to oh, shreds. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. so you know, in those moments, we all face times throughout the day where we act in a way that's unloving. When this happens, how can we discern the difference between keeping in step with the Spirit's work in our lives and then laboring in our own strength and abilities, kind of like we're talking about when you're standing at the kitchen sink? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's so true. We do all, we have multiple times during the day where I think if we ask the Spirit to help us be sensitive to His leading, we can be made aware pretty quickly that we are out of step with the spirit. Uh-huh. It's kind of, it's similar to what you said. For me, a warning light on the dashboard is a bad attitude. It's that voice in my head that's like, well, why isn't he doing this? Why isn't she doing this? Why isn't anybody serving the way that I'm serving? Why am I doing it all? You know, this grumbling attitude instead of a, a joy attitude for me is evidence that I am walking in the flesh, uh-huh. not in the spirit. 
I think another thing that we're really prone to doing and a, a really important warning light that is so prevalent in our culture and even I think in Christian circles, though we kind of mask it and keep it subtle, is scorekeeping. We want to keep score. Mm. And there's no room for scorekeeping in the life of a Christian. In other words, we want to sort of tally our good works and tally the good works of others or tally mm-hmm. how we're serving, what we're doing, how we're, you know, giving of ourselves. And our score is always going to be so much higher in our own eyes than this, than somebody else's score. So, you know, it's, I think this is especially difficult in marriage, but also with a coworker or with a roommate or a classmate or a sibling, we tend to look at ourselves and go, well, I'm doing so much and they aren't. We, we puff ourselves up in mm-hmm. our acts of love that aren't even acts of love at this point, because we have totally mutilated them by doing them in our own flesh and our own effort rather than by the power of the spirit. So I think a grumbling attitude and just a a self-focused attitude are can serve to remind us that we are now walking in the flesh Uh and walking in the spirit. And it all comes back again, then to the beginning where we really have to start with confession and confess that we want to trust in ourselves and we want to look to our own strength rather than to lay ourselves down and really hunter this, these acts of laying ourselves down are as, diverse as we are. You know, our God is so diverse. All you have to do is go to the aquarium or go to the zoo Uh or look at a busy street intersection and you can see the creativity of our God and the diversity that he has created. And amongst humans, you know, that creativity is in his image, that diversity is in his image. So the acts of love that we do, the fruit that is born of the spirit will be as diverse as we are. So it can be you know, it can be, and I pray that maybe there are a handful of listeners who will grab onto the, to the, the work of the spirit in love and go to the mission field, you know, go across the ocean, give themselves up and serve a culture that does not know the name of Jesus. That is clearly a, an act of love where, where one willingly lays themselves down for the sake of Jesus. And that it can be that, or it can be staying where you are and sacrificially living in a way where you really cut your budget so that you can send missionaries. So it can be these sort of, you know, things that we think of as big acts of love, but it can also be simply, you know, considering your time and your home and all of the things that God has given you as not your own Uh gifts given by God that you would give to others, that you wouldn't hoard those blessings, but that you would give them to others who come to you. So maybe a neighbor asks you, to watch their child while they go to the doctor. And in that moment, you go, you know what? My life is not my own. I was bought at a price. God loved me first. Therefore, I'm going to love my neighbor and do this thing that's really inconvenient. I'm going to give up my time and I'm going to give up my home. Or it can be serving in a nursing home or blessing a coworker who cursed you, returning an act of love for an act of unkindness. Uh There are a million ways every day where we can lay ourselves down and consider others better than ourselves because Jesus first loved us. You know, there's no one size fits all here. Um, And it doesn't have to be huge or crazy. I mean, really any act of love Mm -hmm. that's is huge and crazy, right? It's an an act of revolt. Mm -hmm. It's us saying no to the flesh and Mm -hmm. yes to the spirit. Mm, Yeah. You know, it sounds really, really nice. And then I'm thinking about some specific instances in which the spirit has helped me walk in obedience, but it also feels a lot like death. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm like really actively having to choose to love, and I, I take so much comfort in thinking about um, 
you know, the gospel and, and just how the Lord Jesus, like, was literally beaten, mocked, like, facing, like, false accusations and the way in which he responded to that. There's just so much encouragement there for me when I'm walking in a situation that really is just a challenge to respond in love because I want to retaliate. I am very justice driven. And so it's sometimes it's hard not to fight for what I believe is right in in that moment when I know that most often I need to respond first in love. Um, And I think that's why Paul says so frequently in all of his letters in some way or another, he always says to renew your mind. And his pattern of writing is always in all of his letters is first that he just exalts and worships God and rehearses the gospel to his readers and reminds them of the great love with which God loved us. That while we were at sinners, Christ died for us. You know, Paul always says that he always starts there mm. and, and then he pivots in his letters and says, therefore, you know, because you have been so loved because Jesus laid his life down for you, mm. you lay your life down for for others. He doesn't Mm. say anything about how those other people deserve it or like you really should do this because it's the right thing to do. This is what nice Christian girls do. He doesn't say anything like that. He always says, because our great God Uh suffered the cross for us and we didn't deserve that. Fix your eyes on that. Fix your eyes on Jesus and remember what Jesus did. And it's out of remembering the gospel that the spirit empowers us then to lay ourselves down as well. It's not because anybody deserves it. It's not because we're strong enough and good enough to do it. It's because Christ died for us first and he alone empowers us then to die for others as well. Mm, I love that so much. Do you think that that's why he lists love first in the (laughs) list? (laughs) Yes, I know. Love is first. It's it's the heart it's at the heart of all that Paul teaches us really. You know, Romans 5 5 says God love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, love saturates all of scriptures. We, we see love in, from all the way from creation to the new heavens and the new earth in Revelation. It, God is love. It's, the, it's sort of the greatest attribute. So he lists it first and, um, you know, the others flow, flow out of that as well. That's really what I wanted to ask. Amy mentioned this in the intro that the fruit we often see in isolation. And one of my fears with this whole series is that we would do that mistakenly. But I want to talk about how the fruit of the Spirit being love works in conjunction with the other fruit that are listed in that passage. Yeah. You know, I was trying to study that. Like, what is what is the deal with this list? And theologians have, they have varying views about how we could sort of break up the list into various ways. Um, You know, some say that it's the first few attributes show our attitude towards God and then towards others and then towards ourselves. Um, You know, there's, there's some not disagreement, but just different ways of, Mm. and it's not an exhaustive list of virtues. They, they all lead to Christ likeness together. They all create the image of Christ, but love really is at the heart of what Paul teaches and love really is at the heart of all of the scriptures in, in all of Paul's letters and in all of the word of God, we see over and over how God first loved us. And then we see the calling to then therefore love others. So as we soak in the love of God, as we remember how much he loved us, it leads to joy. Uh We are joy filled when we realize that we were dead and now we're alive Uh because of what Jesus did. And And only that gives peace. You know, the third attribute listed, remembering the gospel 
is the only thing that will bring us peace. There's nothing you or I can do to earn the love of God. And so there's peace as we remember the gospel and remembering God's love leads to patience and it leads to kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You know, as we, as we embrace the love of God and ask him over and over, confess our need for that and ask him to grow and fill that love in us to overflowing, then these other attributes grow Mm -hmm. as fruit on a tree. Absolutely. I love how this particular attribute does just bring to mind the gospel. And I hope that people are encouraged just to meditate on that today. How can we grow into more loving Christians to put God's love on display for a lost and dying world to see? I'm not asking for a list of (laughs) step one, two, and three, (laughs) because you know I want that. I'm pushing back against that and just saying, generally speaking, how can we grow into more loving Christians? Yeah. And I think that really, as we continue to move as a culture to be more and more self-focused, as we say, you know, look within, discover yourself, be yourself, empower yourself, as, the, as people around us collapse inwards on themselves, we are really going to put forth an apologetic of love. As, as people of love, people of God, as we look outside of ourselves, outside of our homes, to the needs of others and love others, I do think people will be drawn to authentic born-again Christianity as we put it on display mm-hmm. by the of the Spirit. That's really encouraging because so so many of my friends, you know, I, I hear just lamenting about the way that the world is going and things like that. And yes, it is really, really sad. But I also and, and even moving up, you know, to the New England area, the fact that Christians do stand out is honestly really refreshing. Having come from a Bible Belt context, it removes the cultural impositions and it and it's not really cool to be a Christian up here, but it does there is a distinctiveness about the the Christians who I have intersected with in this area and I think that is exactly right. The way that they love characterizes them and that stands out. Yeah, it totally That's does. That's encouraging. It is so encouraging. It's the same in Colorado as well. Um, Of course, it can be discouraging to look around us and look at the cultural decay and see how we are, you know, moving further and further away from God's good design for us as his creatures. But the good news is, and the encouragement is that we are going to stand out, that people are going to be drawn to the love of Christ who is in us. And it's an opportunity. We're living in a moment that is an opportunity in history to put Christ on display so we've, we have, again, I, I know I've already said this multiple times, that we have to begin with prayer. We have to begin with confession. We have to begin with being on our face and asking God to change us and help us and empower us. And we have to be in the word because all the narratives around us are going to preach the gospel of self. So we have to stay in the word of God to remember what is true and right and to renew our minds on a daily basis. And we've got to be with the people of God. You know, I think a huge for me, a huge contributing factor to seeking out opportunities to love others has been my community, specifically my core group. These are women, just a handful of women that I meet with every week for accountability and prayer. And something we ask each other every week is, who is God calling you to love and how are you doing? And knowing that those ladies are going to ask me that has definitely lit a fire under me more than once. Uh I'm, you know, getting busy, getting distracted, thinking like, well, I don't really know how to love them. It's too hard anyway. Moving on, you know, it's so easy. But knowing that I'm going to have some girlfriends who love me and love the Lord asking me, are you doing it? Are you loving your neighbor? Are you loving, you know, whoever God has put 
put in your life, your kids or whoever it is in the community God has asked you to love. That accountability for me has been key in helping the rubber hit the road. Mm. I'm doing a slow clap in the sound booth because if there <laughs> if there ain't a better description of what I'm trying to do with Journey Women, the last 60 seconds of what you said, we need to like put that on the header of our website because that's the point. Like for us as a parachurch kind of ministry, we want to strengthen the hand of local churches by saying, hey, women, gaze at the glory of Christ. Look at what he's done for you. Go to the word and get plugged into a local body of believers who can do life alongside you. Like that is just what I'm sitting in here in the sound booth trying to say every single week. And the walk of the Christian is the walk of repentance. I just, I love how you laid that out. That was so beautiful. You've done such a great job at this topic today. Clearly, you know so much about Galatians and I'm not trying to puff you up, but I just want to ask, what resources do you recommend for somebody if they're walking away from this conversation, just wanting to learn more about the fruit of the spirit, about Galatians or, or about the topic of love? Yeah. Well, I want to say first, it has been a joy to prepare for this. I mean, I was just thinking going to bed last night that my heart is so full because you've given me this opportunity to just remember what is true and to be soaking in these scriptures and to remembering the nature of our God and that he is so loving. I was driving one of my teenagers to school this morning and I was praying with her and just talking to her about her day. And she was like, mom, are you teaching on love today? (laughs) (laughs) She knew it. She could feel it. (laughs) So clearly, you know, The goodness of God in community, you know, even with you saying, hey, come alongside me and let's share the word of God with others. Just even that community over the airwaves has nurtured and encouraged my heart. So Mm. God is so faithful and Mm -hmm. his spirit in us is so kind to just renew us and grow us from the inside out. I'm just so grateful to the Lord for for just loving me. So anyway, three resources that I would recommend. Um, If you're looking to just kind of dive a little bit more deeply. I wouldn't use the word commentary because commentary sounds really academic, but sort of a lighter commentary. There's two of them. One is called Galatians for You by Tim Keller. Tim Keller's mm, my favorite. Yes. So um, Galatians for You by Tim Keller is really helpful. Exalting Jesus in Galatians by David Platt and Tony Marita is also oh, wonderful. So those are two sort of light commentaries that are excellent. And one last one would be just reading missionary biographies. I mm-hmm. think Soaking in the the stories of others who have laid themselves down and laid themselves down over and over. Not that only missionaries do that. That's not what I'm saying. But missionary biographies can just be so spurring and challenging mm-hmm. as we see, you know, what what they're what's happening, what's happened in them, um, what God's done in them in history. So, th- that I would recommend that. I completely agree. Do you have any missionaries that you'd recommend specifically, just off the top of your head? I always love to think about Amy Carmichael in India. Um, and Lilius Trotter in North Africa. Those are two yes. women are heroes of mine. And yeah, I would say get anything you can on either of those ladies. That's so great. Amy's been recommended multiple times and I really need to check out Lilius Trotter. I've heard of her before, but I haven't ever taken the time to read any of her stuff. So yes, she is lesser known, but amazing. And actually also a really gifted artist. So beautiful. She's she's an amazing woman. Well, I'm encouraged. Missionary biographies are definitely one of my simple joys, and I need to make the time to just like pick those up. I think that'd be a real delight to me. But I'd love to hear from you. What are three of your simple joys? Um, I would say number one, coffee in the early morning, all by myself. Amen. It has yes. It, there's something different about it being by yourself. Are you an That's- introvert? Um, I mean, I'm not, but I'm also not a huge extrovert. I'm okay. Kind of a, yeah. Yes. I'm an, I'm a social introvert. And so that time is very rejuvenating. Yeah. I completely agree. 
your as your kids get older, teenagers sleep in a lot later than Oh, Tom. bless the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coffee alone, the Rocky Mountains, either being in them Ooh. or gazing on them. Yes. Huge. And my family, I, as I've said, I have four daughters. I love my daughters so much. I enjoy spending time with them. I enjoy spending time with my husband. Um, and teen girls, I'm happy to report, teen girls are an absolute delight. We are having a blast in this season of parenthood, and I praise God for that. Way to redeem that. Thank you. <laughs> it's true. It is. I'm not making it up. That's awesome. That's really, really encouraging. Well, I can see why their mother is also delightful. So you have had an impact on my journey with Jesus. I really enjoy listening to your podcast, reading your works, and it makes me really intrigued. Who is it that's had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus? Yeah. So my answer to this, you know, I, I kind of labored over it because it's journey women and I would love to point to spe- a specific woman, but the reality is we've lived overseas amongst transitory people. So yeah. it's been, I've had a number of strong women in my life who have ta- mm-hmm. taught me the word God and pointed me back. Like, but so many, it's like every year or two, it's a new woman mm. who's in this season ahead of me. Um, over and over that I'm so grateful for. But in terms of like the one person that's consistently just pointed me back to Jesus and pointed me back to grace, I have to say is my husband. I hope that's not cliche, <laughs> but you know, we've been married 20 years and he's been mm-hmm. my pastor for years. And um, wow, he was blessed to be mentored by a pastor who just really loved grace and preached grace to my husband over and over. Praise God. Yeah. And so that's been just a huge gift of the Lord that our formative years were founded in grace and grace saturates our home and our family by God, you know, by God's grace through this mentor, through my husband, to my family, all gifts that I'm so grateful for. Man, I am so grateful for that too. And I know so many of our listeners, Jen, I don't know that I've mentioned this to you, but they are overseas. And I think that's why Journey Women is an encouragement to them because it's like one consistent thing. We have been in existence now for two years, so maybe we'll stick around a little longer than the transient expat. Uh, But yeah, I hope that all the listeners who are overseas right now just feel so encouraged by you and also the many women who are listening that are pastors' wives. Um, I hope they just feel so encouraged uh, to have had you come alongside us today. I know I've been encouraged. Thank you for all your preparation, and thank you for the grace of joining us on the Journey Women podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Hunter. This has been my joy. So I went by too fast. Yeah. <laughs> It is such a blessing to have you guys with us for another season of the Journey Women podcast. Truly, it humbles us that you guys would take time to listen. If you're enjoying the show, please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you don't miss next week's episode with Courtney Doctor on joy. You can also find us debriefing the episodes on social media over at Journey Women Podcast. As always, you can find discussion questions, recommended resources, and the information on our guests on our website at journeywomenpodcast.com. So you know, this episode was edited by Chris Mann and the Podshaper team. Hey, it's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Seems are all